Over the past three weeks, we talked about what rules your thoughts, your hopes, and your actions. These are things you may be doing that will keep you stuck in your grief and stagnant in your life. So if you missed any of those, it'll be worth your time to check them out. This week, I want to share a little more of my journey before grief, which probably contributed (laughs) to my constant questioning all the whys for the first year, to then changing that questioning of God to how. How was I supposed to make it through? How was I going to find purpose? And how would he use me and what happened for good? These questions are fair to ask, but you don't want to get stuck in them because it leaves you vulnerable to what Satan desires for your life. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, question God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in the house and join me on the couch. I'm Steph, and this is Grief to Great Day. Thank you for being here. I want you to always feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Spain, our spotlight country, and in the U.S., California. You are back on top as the state with the most downloads this week. Grief to Great Day is downloaded in over 80 countries now. This tells me that there is a need to talk about grief and that it is felt throughout the world. So please know that whatever state or country you are in right now, you're not alone as you walk through this thing called grief. I know there are new listeners each week, and if that's you, welcome to the podcast you never wanted to need. I am glad you're here because it tells me you're taking the steps towards your healing. Now for you new listeners, if you hear me talk about Monica, her faith or her death, and you want some background, just go to my website grief2greatday.com and click on the book tab. You can see the book I wrote entitled Dying to be Healed about her faith journey during the last six months of her life. She is the reason that you are listening to me today. Before we get started, I just want you to know with certainty that it's not always going to hurt like this. It's important for you to hear that often. It's not to say that you're ever going to stop missing your loved one because you won't. But what you will do is breathe, laugh, and live again. In the last three weeks, we talked about what it looks like to live in the past versus learn from the past. Then we talked about the illusion of control and lastly, victimhood. If you're struggling with or think you might be struggling with one of these three things that I call thought prisons, listen to the episodes to break free from them and live a lighter, 
easier existence. If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, or you've seen the tagline, it says Christian grief support to breathe, laugh, and live again. I came up with that because I spent the first two years of grief trying to breathe and laugh again. And unless you've walked this sacred journey, you can't understand that those two things are hard to get back to doing. I look back now and I see the journey was all about the why initially. It slowly, after the first year, turned to how. And then years down the road, I could see the wow of what God did in my life even with me kicking and screaming along the way. So today I'm going to share how God took my life, my hurts, my rebellion, my questioning, and my little mustard seed of faith to bless me with the life and purpose I have today. I have a wood plaque that says, I still remember the days I prayed for the things I have today. Well, I remember the decades I prayed for the things I have today. And these things I'm talking about, they are not material things. So when I say it, it is with immense gratitude for how God took a broken mess and gave me purpose. I always knew there was more and that I was supposed to be doing something. But after being knocked down and having to start over four different times in my life, I began wondering if it would ever occur So hear me clearly as I share hope for your future, even if today you're like I was and are currently stuck in the why, to assure you that God will redeem your deepest pain for purpose you could not have imagined. We're going to go back to the day. So growing up, (laughs) growing up, I had a good relationship with my dad. But he wasn't around much because he was the sole breadwinner and worked second shift and did lots of overtime. So on weekends, our days, they were dictated by my mother's emotions and control. She was, I believe, not kidding around or being funny. She was mentally ill. She claimed to have cancer on several occasions. It was self-diagnosed, but I didn't know that at the time. She controlled everything in the house including the $5 allowance she gave my father per week, even though she stopped working. She counted spoons or silverware to make sure they were all in the drawers. And she was a pathological liar, pitting my sister against my father and against me. In my entire life, I cannot remember a single time that she encouraged my sister or me. She was constantly negative, manipulative, and everything had to be about her. I shared nothing with her throughout my entire life because I learned she would use it against me. She told my sister that if she moved away from Maryland, she would never speak to her again. So my sister stayed. I took that to mean that she would never talk to me ever again either. So I moved to North Carolina. But as I mentioned, she lied a lot. So I was given weekly you-abandon-me lectures through the telephone. The first loss I experienced was my first cousin. My mother was German, and we spent a summer vacation with German family in Germany, (laughs) who we couldn't really communicate with. There was this one cousin, and his name was Uli. You know that's a German name, Fosho. 
but he was so kind to that eight-year-old American girl who was me. I spent most of my days with him, and each evening we would curl up on the couch and watch TV. After several weeks, we left their house for a weekend to visit other family in Austria when my mother got the news that he had been in a car accident and had died. We returned back to that home, but it was completely different. Nothing was ever the same for the visit and for the rest of my aunt's life. Fast forward to being in high school. On summer vacation, I wanted to visit my uncle in Florida. My dad was excited and he said yes, because it was his brother. But of course, my mother said that I would have to find my own way to earn the money to get there. So in the 10th grade, I went to work at a local convenience store. While working there, we were robbed and I had a gun pointed to my head. And y'all, you really do see your life flash before your eyes, but it's so weird because it's like in slow motion. I called my close friend Troy from church and he came right away. Troy ended up working with me at the same store and we spent most of our time together. He baked me a birthday cake and his dad would bring us Thanksgiving dinner or food anytime that we had to work on holidays. Now he was stuck working. I actually volunteered so I wouldn't have to be at home. After the robbery, I quit. <laughs> so I then worked at the FBI in D.C. for a couple of years, but my original plan was to be an FBI agent. But after having a real gun in my face, I had no desire to pursue that career. And I had never attended college to that point because I hardly graduated high school because I had terrible grades. Now, early on in high school, I was college prep until I started working. And then I just skipped classes to work and make money because I was bound and determined to be independent. During this time, I met my ex-husband through a friend, and after a short time of dating, we were engaged. I so clearly remember calling my uncle in Florida and telling him about the engagement. There was a pause, and then his response was, well, Steph, why don't you sound happy? He was not the only one that picked up on my lack of enthusiasm about becoming engaged. Troy and a lot of my other friends shared strong warnings to not go through with it. I knew they were right, but we moved to North Carolina from Maryland because I was desperate to get away from what I knew was toxic, and I don't use that term lightly. But what happened was I traded it for a marriage where for the first and honestly only time in my life did I contemplate suicide. Looking back, what I saw was a ticket out of Maryland but then I came to NC where I knew not a single soul and I started living a whole new kind of crazy. My ex-husband lost his license, too many details there, <laughs> and I had to continue working in Maryland to pay for my house in North Carolina. After six months, I finally moved and became his chauffeur, among other things. My support system was in Maryland and for a long time, I couldn't even tell my friends how bad things were because I was so embarrassed and felt like such a failure. After moving to NC a few years later, I got a call telling me that my sweet friend Troy had died by suicide. He had been diagnosed with late stage cancer so young 
and he didn't want to burden the family with what he believed was going to happen to him. I could not believe it, and I couldn't attend his funeral either. I can't tell you how long I lived on ramen noodles and macaroni and cheese because we had less than no money. So I literally could not afford the gas to go to Maryland and Troy's funeral. My ex sold everything I owned, and when I got upset, he said I was trying to keep him from providing money for our bills. Yet, what I found out later was that he purchased a correspondence course that cost around $1,000 on my credit card at the same time he was selling my possessions. I took on side work of data entry at a town hall, and the town planner at the time, when I went to work with him, decided to remove his pants. I was dumbstruck, and I bolted. When I told my ex-husband, he said that he had talked with him and that I had to go back because we were new in town and no one would believe me. And besides, we needed the money. I actually went back and things escalated. I tried to leave and the planner locked the door. I started banging on the door and finally he let me out. My ex was angry that I left and I told him that I was never going back and that we were done. I knew in that moment there was no turning back. My ex had no credit, so when we moved to North Carolina, everything was put in my name, including the house, electric, credit cards, everything. Now y'all know where that's heading, right? In the end, he wouldn't move out of the house, and that's when I ran into Monica's husband at the community college. He said Monica would probably rent a room in her trailer to me because they were also going through a separation. My house was almost foreclosed on, but someone assumed the loan. I was left with more debt than I could pay back with the minimum pay I was making. I had to throw my ex out of the house, and that's when he moved back to Maryland with an invitation from my mother to live in my old room so he could get on his feet. At this point, he was in his 30s. He was 10 years older. So he lived in my old room, had no debt, and lived there for free. <laughs> Wow, I had all the debt and I had no help. Life looked pretty unfair and hopeless and worse than being a victim of many things at his hands, I had the mentality of a victim. I thought people were against me, that God really didn't care and nothing would ever change. At the same time, my dad was struggling with emphysema, which had progressed over about 10 years. My mother hated having to help him with anything, and she was cruel to him, providing minimal care. He was incontinent, and she would complain about having to purchase his diapers because people at the store thought they were for her. It was hard for him to hear that word, diaper, and when he asked her to stop, it only fueled her to taunt him with it more. I wanted to take weekends and go and take care of him, but she would not allow it. However, what she told people was that she devoted her life to take care of him and his daughters never came to help. Within five years of moving in with Monica, I was working on a master's degree when my dad was admitted to the hospital yet again. He had become what they call a frequent flyer because of his poor lung function. I went to Annapolis and I visited him in the same hospital I was born in 
and two days after returning to North Carolina, he died. He was another deep loss because he and I were the ones that I felt like were the only sane ones in, <laughs> in the house. But he had dealt with so much at the hands of my mother. His death was hard, but there was also a part of it that brought peace because he was no longer suffering with breathing difficulties or my mother. In the end, my ex-husband lived in my old room for 27 years, 25 of which were after my dad died. The divorce was not amicable, but I was expected to visit and stay in the same house. I did not. Now that's the end of part one. <laughs> I haven't gone into the details of all of that because I'm just trying to paint an overall picture of how hard and hopeless life was. This is when I moved into Monica's trailer. So next week, I want to share how life changed because of that friendship and because of her illness and her death. What I want to emphasize is that life isn't easy for anybody. Everyone has a story, but make no mistake, Satan will use your times of vulnerability, be that in bad circumstances in life or in the grief you are walking through right now to try and turn you against your creator. I have three words of the week this week. It is John 10, 10, Luke 22, 31, and 1 Peter 5, 8. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, says God, have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Luke 22, 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, next week I'm going to share how God took all those things in my life, healed my heart, and gave me joy. Talking real joy, not based on circumstances, for the first time ever. So the story's not over. Come back next week and listen. And know that your story is not over either. It may not feel like it right now. But if your hope, your certainty is founded in God, there will be joy again and you will have purpose in the life you are rebuilding. Remember that every day is important. Every day is a fork in the road. It is in the daily grind of life that momentum and transformation occur. By listening to this episode, it tells me you're doing the work of grief. And I know that's not easy. If you're ready to take another step towards healing, there are more resources on my website. It is grief2greatday.com. Lastly, if you don't have a home church, visit my church, opendoorchurch.com. Everything that you need are in the show notes or on the website. So until next time, remember who holds your future and know that you are not alone. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, Share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, 
grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.